Welcome to the Always On Podcast. I am your host, Duncan McPherson. On this podcast, our objective is to enable our audience, which are high-caliber fee-for-service professionals, to always be working on their business and on themselves, personally and professionally. And on today's podcast, I had a great exchange with Chris Jeppesen, who heads up the advisory best practices at First Trust, and is also the co-author of both the Advisor Playbook and the Blue Square Method that is now available. And in this episode, we discussed three primary themes. How to ensure that our current period of volatility serves you rather than hurts you. We talked about the progression of the most innovative financial professionals and how they continue to evolve. And we did talk a little bit about the origins of the Blue Square Method and how it's different than the Advisor Playbook. So it was a great chat. If you like this podcast, as always, please like and share and tell your colleagues. And if you have any ideas or topics or potential guests you'd like to hear from, uh, please let us know. Thank you very much for listening. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Always On podcast. Very excited to be joined by my good friend and co-author of the Advisor Playbook and the Blue Square Method that is now ready for prime time, Chris Jepson. Thanks for joining. How are you doing? feel fantastic. It's always good to be on with you. And uh, it's almost like we could do a podcast every day for as much as we talk, but uh, it's good to put one here officially out for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Just for everybody listening in, we're going to cover three key areas in this conversation. We're going to talk about our current reality around market volatility. It appears that it's going to be hanging around for a while. And ultimately, I mean, we've been around the block. We want this turbulence to serve you, not hurt you. And we've got a great window uh, experientially on that concept. We're then going to talk about the progression of top financial professionals because it astounds me. They continue to evolve and keep striving to refine and optimize what they do. And then lastly, and I'm very excited about this as well, is talk about the origins of the Blue Square Method, our our next book, and, and among other things, how it's different from the advisor playbook. Because that's a question, Chris, I've been asked many times. How is this different? Because I, in fact, talked to a lady yesterday who this year, she's had the book for five years. This year, she said, I've read it twice. And it just never ceases to amaze me how well-received that book's been. I hear it I hear it all the time. I think I just forwarded you an email. It was yesterday also yeah. from a retiring advisor. And he says, I finally had a chance to read the book. I will. Congratulations in your retirement. This, this is uh, great timing. He almost needs like uh, the ability to time travel and go back because how many times have you been told that, oh, I wish I would have read this book 15 years ago, but uh, it's all good. So let's talk about our current reality. You know, here we are 2022 We're we're coming out of the first massive force majeure that I've ever really experienced. I mean, there's been obviously lots of disruption, but of course, Chris, top teams always come out of disruption better than they went in. Their calling, their sense of purpose, their real understanding in terms of the the significance of the shadow they cast on families' lives. So I want to have that conversation first around some of the conversations you're having with teams and just helping them shape how they're responding to clients that are kind of hinting that they're a little bit uh, uneasy and maybe even anxious about the future. Uh, So let's start there. You know, it's, that's one of the things that I love about this format, really about a podcast in general is that you and I, we're interacting every day with elite financial professionals, the, the best of the best. And we are, I am, and I know you are, we're humbled to be able to learn every single day with how they take clients and get them to see the future with anticipation rather than apprehension. And that's easier said than done in light of current volatility, which has been just when you think 
oh, you know what, maybe uh, we will we'll dabble in a little bit here and then boom, another downturn and then another downturn. And, uh, is there a light at the end of this tunnel? It's not a, a V-shaped uh, snapback this time in the markets. And so I have been really impressed with a number of advisors that, as you mentioned, lean into this type of market where they genuinely believe that this is where we win. These times, right here, this is why I became a financial professional, Chris, for moments like this, because the last 10 years, let's be honest, there's a reason why 7 million new accounts were opened up at Charles Schwab last year, because it's, it, people are, it's, it's a topic of conversation, just investing was, and anyone could do it. But now this is where those, those competencies really begin to shine. And so one of the, the things that I gleaned from a, a very successful team was I, I tried to really annotate exactly what it was and how they were framing conversations in light of the current volatility. And, and what we came up with was ECA. And that was empathy, context, and action. Like, what, what do we do next? And, and empathy, and I think everybody would agree, and we've heard the adage before, people don't care what you know until they know how much you care. And recognizing that the affluent today, and, and I'll speak in particular to that investing class, that, that ultra high net worth and, and that high net worth asset class, they have voiced some anxiety with the markets today. Recent data that we just received, polling data suggests that nearly 50% of affluent investors over the next two years are looking to add another provider to their current list of providers. That It was 10% two years ago. I mean, that is a dramatic shift in light of current volatility. They're looking to add, well, what are, why would they be looking to add someone? What are they looking for? What are they not getting where they're at right now? And the two things that we hear a lot are around the topics of risk mitigation. And so that must be anxiety around how they've performed through the downturn. And so empathy, that first bullet point through this volatility is all about letting them know that you hear them, that you can appreciate what's going on in the markets and in geopolitical environment as well, that, that you do have your finger on the pulse and you're not surprised at, at, at what's happening. And so empathy is that first bullet point. Are you, not, are you finding that as well, that just being able to, to listen and, and hear that feedback? So it's so interesting just to back up for a second, because uh, I've had many conversations in the last couple of weeks about the topic of turbulence and volatility. And um, I, I just, I pause and then I just ask the question. I said, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't this why you became a financial professional? Uh, to really help people look to the future with anticipation and tune out the noise and make informed decisions? Isn't that where you get your highest level of fulfillment? And universally, the response is very positive to the affirmative. What's interesting, and I keep forgetting about this, is earned money is so enlightened. And empathy is a two-way street because almost to a person, a financial professional's favorite clients, when they call the advisor, the first question they ask is, how are you doing? Like through all of this, this must be nutty for you. They're not really concerned themselves, aside from being concerned about the financial professional. That empathy validates for a financial professional, this is, this is exactly who I'm suited for. They're, the philosophical uh, alignment, the chemistry, the compatibility is so incredibly positive. But to, anyway, to, long story short, to answer your question, yeah, empathy, that bedside manner, just basically making sure the client's heard, absolutely essential. You know, that it boils down to, among other things, that to maintain relevance, 
and an environment that we find ourselves today to maintain relevance, your business and your process must meet the current demands of your clients and prospects. Hmm. In order to maintain relevance, your business and process must meet the current demands of your clients and prospects. What are those current demands? Well, there's only two ways to know. You're either guessing or you have put in place a feedback loop to understand what those are. Because not knowing the demand leaves us open to outside competition. And we know now that the high net worth and ultra high net worth, 50% of them are open to adding another provider. So that's unnecessary exposure. So soliciting and creating a feedback loop from an existing client and even those that are in your prospect circle, that what is it, what needs are currently not being met? And so that's, that's part of that empathy, right? That's, that's listening. The second bullet point on ECA is context. And I was in Milwaukee yesterday. I'm in Dallas today. And yesterday in Milwaukee, an advisor, very enlightened uh, advisor said, that, Chris, we like to share with, with our clients some context around the current volatility. And I said, I go, share with me, what are, what are you saying? He said, we like to ask questions that promotes thought more than just regurgitating data. And so we would ask them, hey, out of curiosity, what would you guess? how many times the market has fallen into a correction since 1928? How many times have we fallen 25% or more? And he says, boy, you're shocked at the number of answers. He says, the answer is 26. He says, and then I follow up with the question, how many recoveries do you think we've had since 1928? <laughs> and, it, you know, the... He says, they get it. They're like, well, 27. He says, yeah, you're right. And he says, and I like to go one step further in this area of context and say, do you know what the average decline in the market was on those 26 drawbacks? And I said, no. He says, 36%. He says, you know what the average appreciation was that followed on the 27 recoveries? He says, 114 he says, with that context, I give them the bridge back to the fact that we have a process. And he says, our process is prepared and is built for these markets. And that is one of the reasons why our process has allowed for us to set aside a given amount of cash to take advantage of declines in the market such as this, where we get value disconnect. And for after a 25% decline in the market, we take a 10% new position. And for every 5% incremental decline from there, we add another 10%. Giving them context followed with a bridge to action is what alleviates anxiety. And so empathy, context, and action has been really what I've pulled out of how current advisors are meeting, really exceeding the current demands of their existing clients. Okay, you covered a lot of ground there. Let me break a few things down. Uh, first of all, from a qualitative self-assessment perspective, that phrase, maintain relevance, is incredibly powerful. And I'm going to add that in to my conversations about the climbers, right? Those who the clay stays soft, they're always working on themselves personally and professionally to maintain and enhance a client's appreciation for their relevance. Because you're right, if all of these affluent clients are now seeing the need to add a love, another layer of redundancy, whether or not that's actually a great idea or not, by adding another person into their professional network, um, it's got to have There's something actually to do two reasons. There's two reasons, Duncan, that they say that. Uh, the polls are suggesting that, and this is current demands. What are the current demands that are having them look outside of their current provider? Is they're looking for more, uh, they're looking for more solutions around risk mitigation. Go figure. Right. That, that's, that's the issue. They're looking for solutions around risk mitigation. And they're also looking for meaningful conversations around 
really the tax and, and regulatory type environment. So how does their how does their portfolio hold up to any given tax changes or implications given inflation, et cetera? Well, what's interesting, okay, that's really solid, by the way. Um, going back to empathy, I'm right now telling everybody who will listen, professionalize your empathy by emphasizing you are goals-based. You don't just care about the client. You care specifically about what they care about. And I was talking to an advisor who had a client who just recently retired. And now he's watching all this. Like he, he's got this inside voice saying, is, is my ice cream melting here? Like, I mean, I, I thought inside voice, right? Alone with their thoughts. And then he talks to the advisor and won't really sort of express that he's concerned aside from basically saying, is my timing terrible? I retired just as we're going into this, what appears to be bizarre volatility. The advisor went right back to form and goals-based. And he said, hey, look, I want you to understand that a big part of my process is understanding what matters to my clients. And I remember vividly you saying to me, I don't want to outlive my money. He mirrored the client's goal back to him because it wasn't, he had it all documented. He's goals-based. He knows what he cares about. It changed the dynamic. He said it was palpable. You could feel the energy change because he, the, the client's just liberated saying, okay, I'm in good hands. He's got this. He knows what keeps me up at night. Really powerful, right? To have that empathy and structure it as a goals-based planner. I heard some language around that same type of conversation where it was, we haven't had a client. Our process is built around our clients retiring, not on short-term volatility, but long-term outcomes. And then I can remember you expressing that concern. So you could put that right on the front end of, right. of what you just said with, we haven't had a client retire on short-term volatility. All of them retire on long-term outcomes. And that's what our process is built around providing. And it was you that mentioned to me that you didn't want to outlive your income. And that's why our process has provided for these markets to provide the income necessary to, to not outlive the method. Well, and isn't that a, just a perfect pivot from empathy to context, right? And then just basically punctuated by saying, look, in the last hundred years, America's batting a thousand. Right. And, and that disproportionate, the recovery to the drop, it's just, I mean, it's not promissory on the future. It's just like, let's invest the past into the future and then tie it into that risk mitigation that we've got some dry powder, good decisions stem from strong positions. We're in a strong position and we'll just sit back and be opportunistic. And, uh, but, but here's the other thing to your action and the concept of perpetual planning, fluid and dynamic planning, is what does a client want to hear and what don't they want to hear? They do not want to hear the financial professional say, okay, we're calling an audible. We're, we're reacting just now. Just now we're going to take action. The client really wants to hear that, hey, we're, we've been prepared for this. We, we, we got so far out in front of this. We're just going to watch and just observe how this plays out. Like just, it just, the what it conveys in terms of the calm and, you know, it's not my first uh, go round and, you know, the whole dynamic of calm seas never produced a skilled sailor. Like I've been around, like I study it seriously, experientially, I'm not operating out of theory and uh, I'm surrounded by really great people and resources. So yeah, let's, let's just get, Let's get through this, get from this. Uh, it's a really great progression, by the way. So empathy, context, action. So it's not a bad idea. After you and I last talked, I actually tweaked it a little bit because I was talking to a team. I said, just write out the letters ECP, empathy, context, planning. It's all part of the plan. It's all part of the process. Let's right. trust the plan. Let's stick to the process. 
It's just, it takes it from advice to something more conceptual and more proprietary, but uh, rock like solid because stuff. Planning, planning is an action, right, as well. So yeah, I, I totally see that. that. That goes hand in glove. And I do like, and you've said it before, that look, we're prepared for this and we look at volatile times like the ones we're currently experiencing, not from the perspective of getting through them, but getting from them. And that's why our process allows for incremental dollar cost averaging. It's why we maintain an amount of dry powder on the side is in the event of these occurrences. So we're very fortunate that we've, we've prepared for this and this is where we get from rather than through volatile markets. I'm telling you, it just is a client myself of one of the elite advisor teams that it's just, there's nothing better than knowing, yeah, we anticipate this and we're prepared for it. And now's where we get to take advantage from it. And I'm like, great, not just getting through it. We're going to get from it. We're not sitting on our hands. There's something to exercising patience. I don't want to take anything from that because that might be the valid strategy is to exercise patience at a 15 or 20 or 25%, at whatever point your process says that patience has now led to activity and getting from rather than through the current decline in the markets. And, and, I, and I, the I really takeaway, like you know, cause we keep saying, right, the value of this conversation happens the moment they hang up the phone, right? Like what's lingering and what can they transfer to somebody else as the voice of reason, right? In the spirit of advocacy, because we all know a good financial professional is at his or her highest level of referability right now. So how can we capitalize on this? But what's really important, what does the client want? They want to just be liberated to live their life, to know that you've got this. And there's unspoken elements. Like you and I have both seen many speakers. I don't mind listening to a university professor talk about entrepreneurship from a theoretical perspective, but having never run a business in their life. I don't mind it. It's kind of, okay, it's interesting. It's very technical, but it's theoretical. To hear an entrepreneur talk about what it actually means to be the 25-year overnight success story and all the grit that came out of the adversity experientially, that's what the client is, is really looking for, is that you've got this because you've been around this block before. So just to sort of wrap that part up, Empathy, context, action, and, and fluid and dynamic, right? We're lifelong planners. We're constantly planning. We're, we're look, investing the past into the future. We're looking at where this is all going. We're understanding and being respectful of external forces and things out of our control. But at the end of the day, we know what matters to our clients and we know what we can control and we don't stray or deviate from that. That is fundamentally sound. Have you ever considered launching your own podcast? Not sure how to start? Outsource it to the best in the business. We did. Our trusted partners at Proudmouth have a turnkey process to take care of everything. Add predictability to your marketing efforts. Visit them today at proudmouth.com. The best place to strengthen a client relationship is in the very place where you manage that relationship. BlueSquareToolkit.com has harnessed the best practices of Pareto systems and brought them to life in our easy to use system that is accessible on both your phone and your desktop. Simple technology to uncomplicate your life by creating clarity, accountability, and consistency for your entire team. Build stronger client relationships by tracking and archiving essential information on what matters in your client's life and make yourself indispensable and more referable in the process. Create a more consistent client experience and grow your business with the Blue Square Toolkit. Visit bluesquaretoolkit.com to get your 14-day free trial today.
You know, it's interesting. I wrote a long time ago in the 90s, I read the book, A Short History of Financial Euphoria by John Kenneth Galbraith. That's when I got introduced to tulip yeah. mania and, and the whole concept of understanding that market forces are driven by human nature. And last time you and I were talking, you brought up this element of our own annuities. And I've proven that out talking to advisors since that last chat. And I just simply asked them, do your clients have a different perspective on an annuities today than when the markets were rocking along? And an advisor this morning said, oh, yeah, when the markets are rocking along, my clients are like, annuities are terrible. They're so expensive. Like, why would I even need that? And now they're saying, oh, so, so no downside risk, preservation of capital. Yeah, I don't care what that costs. <laughs> it's pretty interesting how human nature uh, is impacted by fluctuations, right? I hear that. And not just on the annuity side, really structured products, structured notes, right. target outcome ETFs. That's where, and, and you can just look at inflows. We're, we come from a fortunate perspective at First Trust that I get to see where people are speaking with their dollars. And that whole idea, once again, understanding the current needs of, of the investor. And if those needs are more predictability, then that predictability is going to come from a few structured type investment products that limit downside type protection. So yeah, not, I'm not surprised. It's so interesting. Like uh, I, I now have clients that are mirroring our philosophy and approach back on me because I said to a, uh, an advisor in a long ago, I said, what do you manage? And he got it. Like he knew it was a trick question. He said, uh, yeah, I manage money, but I also manage a business that creates a consistent client experience. And I manage people. I manage expectations. I manage how they interpret external forces. I manage how they perceive me and describe me to others. And it like almost brought a tear to my eye. But then he, he wrapped it and said, and he just said to me, he goes, but what my clients really like when I say risk management and wealth management have to be hand in glove. If it's not, it's flawed. And that's a big part of our process. And that he, it's, just, it's just part of his DNA now. It's so powerful to hear him because he's out of the jargon. Like he's not into the data dumping the jargon anymore. He's talking about things that are more about his philosophy and his approach. So anyway, it's very, very cool. It's one of the advantages, Duncan, of, and this is, I mean, I don't want to jump ahead, but this is a reason why Blue Square Method it has come out is that we get to be on the, on the front lines of the advisors that are adapting to current market demands. So they, they are adapting their practice and their business and they're evolving. And I don't know, remember who the philosopher was that talked about the three influences in a person's life. And it begins with your parents and then your school instructors, your teachers, and then the world. And your final instructor really just helps you understand how the first two were just not that applicable to the real world. And all we are are students of real world instructors of those advisors that are experiencing what it is that those that are listening to this podcast are experiencing and how it is that they're dealing with the same winds and the same current and they're just trimming the sail a bit differently and arriving to a destination a little more uh, predictably. And so it is, it is that adaptation and that evolution of the advisor that has, that has been the, the inspiration of the blue square method. And, it doesn't take away at all what the advisor playbook is either. It, it, and still maintains its relevance, but those that have applied it have evolved and they're, they're playing on another level right now. It, there's nothing wrong with division one football at all. It's really fun to watch. And, but it's not the NFL and everyone evolves, everyone improves and they they face different defenses and they're, they're addressing different target markets. And it's just been really interesting and lightning for me to see how they've evolved and adapted through the pandemic and, and current volatilities. 
You know, it's interesting, the analogy of sports, uh, athletics of any kind between sort of junior and professional or, or you know, university and, and the, the big leagues is if you're a real student of the sport, you can see the potential. You can just see those, those that are really special and you can see how earnest they are, right? They're not complacent. The energy is high. And then you look on the professional side. And you can just see the refinement, you know, the anticipation, but then you can also see some of the complacency, right? Just kind of mailing a few of the, the back checks in or things like that. So well, the very superstars, uh, the superstars, right? Duncan, look at Tom Brady, for example. Everybody's seen the video clip, him running the 40 in the combine when he was first drafted. I mean, it's embarrassing to watch. I'm probably faster than I am, but watching a professional elite athlete run the 40 in that combine that you know as Tom Brady did. And just looking at a picture of him then and now, they're both NFL players, but one of them decided to take on the the ownership of constantly evolving and improving. And you can see those that will rely, you know, they'll, they'll rely on their talent, but those that are constant students, the clay is soft, right? We talk about that a lot. It's about being humble enough to know that we can get a little bit better. And the blue square method is taking those that have kept the clay soft and, and been at the top of their game. Okay. So perfect segue. So let's park the book for a second. Let's talk about adaptation because that is one thing that separates the best from the rest. And what's interesting, if you study the adoption curve, the best are not waiting for external forces. They're innovating it's almost from within, like something's nagging at them to keep refining and optimizing while others evolve based on, okay, they're observing what's going on in their environment. And you know what? I got to step it up. So I want to talk a little bit about innovation. So, so what's interesting in the last couple of years, especially so incredibly revealing, right? Uh, I've been talking to many of our clients in deep dive coaching where I take them on this progression. And I, it's, it's, so if you think of the three-circle Venn diagram, we talk about this in the, in the book. The three-circle Venn diagram is when you, when you start off in this space as a fee-for-service professional, it's knowledge. So we're in the knowledge economy, right? We're not selling things. We're promoting the promise of the future. We think for a living, knowledge for profit professionals. And in that phase or era of our life, we're fixated on credentials, designations, and technical ability, but there's still an element of being somewhat coin-operated. The incentive is production, and, and it ends up plateauing at, okay, products, pricing, and performance, okay? And there's a time that fit in the world, but the innovators said, no, no, okay, that was good, but now we got to go to the next level from the knowledge economy to the expertise economy. So they shifted from transactional sort of coin-operated salesmanship to directional stewardship. So depth and breadth, really emphasizing fee worthiness, adding bench strength, well-rounded, okay, I'm not just managing money, but there's all these other deliverables. That was very, very profound to see and now we're into this next frontier. So it went from knowledge to expertise to intellectual property, where every investment of effort culminates in being process-driven, right? Elevating a client experience, achieving professional contrast, like exposing, as you would say, everybody who's complacent, like, wow, it's not even close, creating some professional scarcity, going, growing up market being mindful of capacity and all of these other dynamics. That's what it really ultimately means to work on the business. So I'm, I'm sure you are as well. I'm spending a lot of time just reminding the teams that we work with that you're not transacting. You are working on your business. You're building consistency. You're building enterprise value. Every investment of effort is going somewhere. And we just want to make sure your clients appreciate that. That's very interesting as in, in terms of interpreting the progression of those very innovative professionals. And that progression ultimately 
ends at some point where there's a transition, right? Where there's a liquidation or there's an acquisition. And you had on a podcast earlier, our good friend who specializes in those multiples. And what we're talking about are those people who have evolved, who are no longer at a four multiple, who are selling at a 20 multiple because they converted to intellectual property from, from that transactional to, to expertise type approach. And so it's real dollars. Did you watch, Doug, have you seen it, that uh, Netflix series, the Formula One Netflix series? Yeah. My, well, my youngest yeah. son would not let me not watch that. I mean, he is such a maniac for F1. <laughs> I'm probably late to the game on it, but I was flying yesterday. I'll tell you, I was in Milwaukee. I'm coming back and I'm watching and I'm not an expert in Formula One, but I do see that Mercedes was always finishing one and two and qualifying and they're winning all these championships and Hamilton's just always on the podium. So something's going on. And this last season, this other racing team, they were making fun of them because they revealed their new car and they said, it looks like Mercedes and, and everybody's making fun of them for copying the Mercedes. And I'm watching the show and I'm like, us, all I do is look for the ones who are one and two on the podium. And I walk into offices and I say, listen, uh, you need to change the brake vents. Uh, their brake vents are different than your brake vents. And they're always finishing one and two at the podium. And it was just funny that they interviewed the guy. I can't remember. Christian, I think his name was the Mercedes head team guy. And he says, he goes, everybody's so worried and preoccupied with what we're doing. He goes, I'm not looking at what anyone else is doing. I'm looking what it is that, that this can become. And his mind was so different from every other team manager. They're just chasing Mercedes, chasing Mercedes. What are they doing? No, no, no. We're not worried about what we're doing now. It's how can we improve on what, what could be done? And I guess I got back to the blue square method. I didn't want to get there, but uh, that's what it is, right? I mean, that's podium one and two. Well, you know what I love about racing? I've been to a few Formula One races and my, my kid and I have this bucket list thing about going to all of them at some point. But for me, one of the most powerful KPIs is still the pit stop. Coming in, swapping out, heading out. And just the precision is just mind-boggling. Uh, I, I could talk about F1 all day and I could bring my kid on and he would just go very, very deep. But um, what's really interesting about your point back to the intellectual property, because I just spoke to a team this morning, big fans of First Trust, and they said it exactly on the button. Like First Trust knows I don't just manage money. I'm managing a business. I'm managing people. They treat all three with the same importance. I mean, it was just poetry. But he, this team is on the verge of shifting from organic B2C growth. That, that is so close to a proof of concept that now it's such an intellectual property they can now go shopping to buy businesses or attract advisors who want to get out of the friction, out of the minutia, and liberate themselves to do the aspects of the business they really like. They're this close. And the, the enthusiasm, the excitement. And you know, back before, teams like this would say, oh, there's way more buyers and sellers. And yeah, it just seems like work. And that's because they wouldn't have had a process. Now they're so process-driven. They're like, okay, the bar is so low. The opportunities are so high. We're not going to convince anybody to join us. They're going to be convincing us. And everything is a process. And that's that's the beauty of that culmination to intellectual property is, you remember when we were with uh, Anthony in New York a couple of years ago, and oh, yeah. he said, uh, why would I bring on 50 new clients? I'll just bring on one advisor with 50 clients. Uh, it was such a yeah, profound statement, that. right? Yeah. Okay. And, and, so, and you look at how that's evolved over the last three or four years. I mean, he's doubled, what, tripled his business. It's, that's been a, a good success story. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and of course, he is featured in the Blue Square Method. So let's talk about this because I'm very excited about it. And, you know, again, back to that question, you know, we, we both wanted it to pay homage to uh, the advisor playbook, because there's some timeless fundamentals that can always be revisited, but then there's timely realities just based on new market conditions. And so it was six years ago that the advisor playbook came out. 
So our clients are now six years older, six years wiser. Their ambitions and degrees of contentment have evolved. So we wanted to capture that. So it wasn't Advisor Playbook 2.0. But then, of course, the world changed. So we said, okay, we got to go back and change some of the, the themes and context of the book. But what I love about it, and I know you do too, is how many consultations with great teams went into that book. Uh, it, it's so real. It's so from the field. It's not in any way, shape, or form theoretical. It is real. So I, I'm excited about that, that was part right. for sure. That, well, that's, that's, what, that's why it's just so amazing what we do and, and it's so fun is back to that analogy we're just looking for those finishing at the tops of the podium and really breaking down what their strategies were to get there. And we actually have in the blue square method, which is pretty cool, is it are those teams that were finishing routinely in the middle of the pack that are now on the podium and made some real changes to experience some unbelievable wins. That uh, I think that's for me, that's the most satisfying part of it is the adaptation and evolution of uh, real change and and forward thinking you know it's it's one of those common characteristics of every one of the successful teams that we've worked with is they're open to the possibility of improvement anyone listening to this podcast is as well and i just would remind you not to take that for granted because very few people have that attribute and it's one that if you're listening to the podcast that that you have whether you're working consciously thinking about that, or it's just subconscious for you to do. And I think that's one of the things we get into a little bit more in the blue square method too, is some of the philosophical motivation yeah. of, of top, of top performers. And it's a little deeper than, you know, what is it that motivates? What is it that drives? What, what is self-actualization? What is it reaching the pinnacle? What does real success mean for you? And, and we get we get deeper in that because so many of the people we talk to now they go beyond the it's it's not about the money it's no longer about the the status that goes along with a production number uh, they hit those but that's secondary it's it's about creating meaningful deep relationships and attracting attracting the right client is. It it was it's I love it I liked the advisor playbook and I still like it there all the awards that went along with it are great uh, but I love the blue square method well and it's interesting because some of these sort of discoveries were almost accidental because we obviously became a little older a little wiser uh, experientially our our perspective as parents as business professionals. So we were evolving as well. I remember, I'm pretty sure we were in Southern California and we were we were trying to sort of tip it over and getting some momentum on the book. And I was showing you this graphic and I said, this is so cool. And then I think it was Ryan in, in the office here who said, well, that's an guy." And I said, no, no, it's a Venn diagram and it, it's perfect because it's qualitative, it's quantitative. And then I think you said, no, that's an guy. I'll go, well, what's an guy? And then I started searching. Oh, that's an guy. It was a real sort of uh, organic sort of discovery around your point of what, what the pursuit of goals and aspirations are. It's not just the quantitative, it's the qualitative around uh, the best version of ourselves. That was cool because you remember not long after that, I, I ended up going to Japan and Ikigai by definition is our reason for being like, what is our reason for being? And we went to Okinawa, which apparently is where the Ikigai was developed, but it captures it so perfectly. And then we started, you know, reverse engineering. Cause I started thinking about the uh, Jim Collins book, good to great and the hedgehog principle and his three questions in good to great almost perfectly match up and mirror the ikigai 
in terms of self-assessment. What, what matters to you? What are you trying to accomplish in your life? What gives you meaning and purpose? And, and almost like Tetris, everything just started falling into place. It was a really cool process and exercise. It's as, and a little to a, a smaller extent though, the same with the advisor playbook is the consistencies across cultures of, of what success and happiness means is really amazing. And, it, and, and across generations that we were just being reminded again and again of, I don't, I don't know that we're, we learn anything new. We just have another uh, reminder of, yeah. of what the meaning of, of life is. And, well, and, and I think perspective around maturity and um, and also back to your point about that mentor protege dynamic, because, you know, when you're still in the growth curve and you're looking around at people that you sort of want to emulate and model, you get to the point where you reach that level and there might be a sort of a hint of a bit of anticlimax where you're like, you know, this can't be it. There's got to be more there. And then the light bulb goes off that purpose and calling and and those elements you were talking about regarding uh, self-actualization become very, very important. So, um, well, I tell people, I tell people, Duncan, you same thing. Probably you felt we fly a lot or those of us in the lower 48 have been flying a lot. And I think I was averaging 150, 160 flights a year for a long time. And, years and years, decades. And I can remember the first flight that I got on that I didn't have to get on, right? Mm-hmm. Where you have to have that decision of, uh, do you want to do this or why are you doing this? Because you don't have to anymore. You know, if you don't want to, if this isn't what you want to do, there are options. And, uh, and that's when it gets fun. And I want the advisors out there that are listening, and I know that you've, you've passed that point, but if you're not feeling that with just looking forward to those opportunities to have a meaningful impact on people's lives and, and how can we scale that up to have a more meaningful impact on maybe other advisors' lives under your umbrella or, or more, more clients and, and their lives, it is a, it's another level of happiness and meaning that that can be achieved. Yeah. The personal fulfillment part is, you know, it's easy to talk about that, but as you get into it and the business starts serving your life and like you were saying about some of the emails you get from people who you've impacted over the years and they're, they're really paying tribute to that. It's very, very powerful. So Anybody can go to the uh, bluesquaremethod.com. You can see the table of contents. You can download a chapter. Uh, We're going to provide all kinds of bonuses. I'm very excited about the practice management index because back to that point, and I keep quoting or paraphrasing Hemingway, the goal isn't to be superior to someone else. The goal is to be superior to your former self. So that is what progression is about. But Sometimes you do need context uh, and a frame of reference to look at peers. So our ability to draw that out for somebody, to help them self-assess, to get clear on gaps, I think we found another gear there. So we're not lecturing. I don't even think of it as coaching anymore. It's more of a collaborative consultation where we're just helping somebody come to their own conclusions about what needs to be refined, what unmet needs need to be addressed. And they're often very subtle, very minor, just little tweaks. So yeah, like you, I'm, I'm very, very excited and very gratified by that whole exercise. Okay, so this has been uh, chugging along here for uh, 50 minutes. I really appreciate you being here. Any closing comments or pearls? Because I always take notes when we talk. No, nothing. Just uh, humbled. And, and I, I've got to just give credit to all of those financial professionals, those, those wealth managers, advisors that, that have provided the content and the example and the processes that we have been able to, to consolidate. I mean, this is, this is really theirs. The Blue Square Method is, is yours. It's, uh, it's, it's our peers. And Incidentally, like said, it's gone. Go ahead. 
Oh, sorry to cut you off there, but you just reminded me because I meant to say this and I forgot, but over the last several years, we've also been consulting, not just with the financial professionals, but also some of their other service providers that they interact with, CPAs, attorneys, and other fee-for-service professionals. And we weave that in because there's so many commonalities. It's about, I would say, 80% universal in that virtually every fee-for-service sector is under siege, being commoditized. And there are ways to make sure that that can actually serve you. You can decommoditize value and, and achieve that professional contrast. So that's a very important distinction is that a financial professional that, and it's interesting because I, I talked about just this the other day with a big team, they kept talking about COIs. And I said, COIs, like a circle of influence, how does that benefit the client? Really what you have is you have this value-added support team, this vast network, vast being the acronym, a value-added support team of people you engage into your process. And I, I, so now what I'm doing is I'm asking financial professionals to represent how they collaborate in more of a client-facing manner. So again, it comes back to the incentive. Your incentive is not to move the needle and drive production. Your incentive is to go deeper into the client engagement. And as a result of that, you get empowerment, loyalty, and advocacy. It's a philosophical distinction, but we do capture that uh, in the Blue Square Method. But uh, Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure. I always get way more out of these conversations than I'm sure you do, uh, especially the ones offline as well. But uh, very excited that this book is now ready for prime time. And love to hear everybody's feedback on LinkedIn or directly. And uh, hopefully out in the field, we can cross paths too. No doubt. Thank you, Duncan. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Always On with Duncan McPherson, where our objective is to enable professionals to always be working on their business and on themselves. Want to learn more about Duncan and his team? Visit ParetoSystems.com. Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Pareto Systems. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast is powered by Proudmouth, the influence accelerators. If you're like me and want to spend more time educating people and less time selling, Proudmouth helps turn Main Street experts like you into trusted mainstream authorities. They will help amplify your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans. Visit Proudmouth.com to learn more.